0: Borag Dog Earthlets! My name is Connor, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 191st episode of Space Spinner 2000, 191 Podcast. Where two Americans try to make sense, the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November and December 1988, progs 600 to 603. This time, Dread meets the Spider Woman, Rogue <laughs> completes hit four, the Moon Runners are getting weird, and yep. Zenith saves the day with logic puzzles.
1: Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's not too bad. I mean,. Uh... Yeah. I there are parts of this of this month that are uh that are not bad.
0: Uh most of, it is, stuff most for of sure. it's
1: most of it's just fine. It's fine.
0: Yeah. No, this is just smooth it feels a little bit like some smooth like a smooth sailing month. I'm not blown yeah. away. But it's still pretty good. And there's some there, there there's some neat stuff in here. Kick back, drink a
1: drink a big old jar of fucking homebrewed Mac Mac. Just kinda like settle into, you know, some uh some allegories to uh to the Nazis and apparently religion. Some deep cuts on that here. <laughs> I mean, it's not really allegorical when it's right there on its face, folks. That's <laughs> again. So, yeah, it's a pig with lipstick, but still a pig.
0: You know, get people who use subtext are cowards. Anyway, if you were wow. to read along, you will find the comics we're covering today and Judge Dredd Complete Case Files 12, Strontium Dog, The Final Solution, Ugh. Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 3, Zenith Phase 2, and The Complete Bad Company. Weirdly enough, yeah. <laughs> Bad Company's in here. Yeah. This is a little charity thing, mm. but if we want to discuss people who are completely without charity, Fox... <sighs> Oh We're yeah! Thrill one, Strontium Dog.
1: Let's tell some stories by the fire. Um yeah. Get shot at. Go to Smiley's World. It's all. It's going to be a good time. Nothing right, bad yeah. is going
0: to happen. Hmm. about Alan Grant. Ardor about Simon Harris. And letting her about Gordon Robson's kid. Big Alan Grant month this month. Actually. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He's in dread a ton, actually, as well. But so, Strontium Dog is back! Hey, look, here it is. And I
1: I kind of know what's going on now. Yeah, sometimes. You know,
0: yeah, we last left our heroes, mutant bounty hunters, Johnny Alpha and Midden Face McNulty, munsoned out in the middle of nowhere by the evil brother Sagan of the new church back, in, uh, back on Earth, who used them to recover the mo- evil, moldy bones of space wizard Malik Brode and then kill two of their buddies. Yeah, that was back in Prague 587. So now we're back. Our boys still stuck on the on the feud world of no go camping and fending off the various feuding armies that infest the areas.
1: I feel like, you know,
0: the unspoken
1: rule of when the uh you know, when the questing party has the campfire out is you're not supposed to ambush, you know, that's time for point allocation and some light
0: backstory discussion. Uh, see that's like the uh that's the that's the video game version of camp. <laughs> You That's know, pretty fair. In a D and D game, camps where you where you really gotta be on watch the most, you gotta like set up elaborate um watch lists of like who's staying up when and stuff. Oh god. Because, like, not only is that a prime time for the DM to send some monsters after you, but also, like, you have, like, the rogue cake watch at one point and you wake up and you don't have pants anymore. And it's like, how are we supposed to fight the monsters if you keep stealing my shit, buddy? Like, wh- why Especially, am I in a like, party with this kleptomaniac? But whatever.
1: <laughs> why not just go for the coins and let me keep the pants? Why the well, pants?
0: like... What, we all got to work together, man. Like, you use leather armor, that's not even that expensive, man. I'm trying to save up for some full plate so I can actually tank a little bit. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Need that AC rating, dog. I mean, like, we're playing the game together, not against each other. Or that's my assumption. Apparently, you're having fun a different way. (laughs) But enough of my belly aching. Uh, it's amazing. They're sort of yeah, but these guys are very much sort of at the campfire and they're not playing these feud games. So when guys come by, they just like you know shoot them and hit a hit them with a with a uh, with a signal flare. You know, man, very, it's that one's pretty rad. Just yeah, burns the shit out of everyone's eyes. Just to get it going. Yeah. Um, So, Johnny, yeah, he fires an electro flare, and it seems they're on the site of some sort of incoming supply drop from space. Ship lands. It's the old Sexpress. And uh, (laughs) Johnny doesn't care about those supplies. Uh, Sexpress recently seen um, in the opening theme to one of our episodes as well. Yes. Anyway, uh, he doesn't care about those. He just wants the ship, and he, along with Midden Face, hop aboard and get back to space. Sweet. Meanwhile – yeah, in Salisbury Cathedral in New Britain, the headquarters of the new church were talking relics. Because it seems uh, Sagan has brought in a mystic named Charn L. to help with their plan. Mm, and he's looking real spoopy. Yeah, he's got some arrows tattooed on his head. It's weird. They're clearly up to something, but it's not clear what. Uh, meanwhile, Johnny Alpha and Middenface have h- ended up on a circus sh- uh, ship, and they're trying to organize a ride back to Earth. Oh, but man. It's way too far away for them to ever get there. Yeah,
1: like they're like, yeah, what about like 200,000 bucks? And he's like, man, that's like a day of me having to deal with these people. I can get you to like Smiley's World. Hmm."
0: Like, oh, I guess I'll go there. So yeah, Johnny uh, sidetracks him to Smiley's World, his old stomping grounds. And you might remember in the previous Strontium Dog Story, we learned that he'd been invited to a two-year anniversary of Wolf's death uh, there as well. But before we talk about that, let's go to New Britain, the year 2180. We see a map of the island with nuke strikes uh, creating the Birmingham Waste and the London God. Crater. There's a new New Glasgow uh, founded, so, so, uh, sort of by Newcastle, and it seems mm. like a lot of the Highlands and Islands of uh Scot- in, in the northwest of Scotland are missing. Yeah, not it, a lot of bad things seem to happen. <laughs> Recently, had a very lively debate about how the current um, Brits sit. Of Judge of Judge Dredd turns into this New Britain Ooh. of um, of Strontium Dog because these stories are loosely um, linked, right? But mostly, I feel like I come down on the spot of all like 2080 cameos and crossovers are more for fun than any sort of p- planned out timeline or anything like oh, that. I, you yeah, know? I mean, I I definitely feel like that's probably the case until
1: proven otherwise.
0: Yeah, like as we record <clears throat> in. Twenty at at the end of twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty, like there's about eight eight years of comics before we before dread gets to twenty one fifty, which is when Johnny Alpha is born. So Ah. it's interesting to see how they handle all that, if they handle it at all, which they might not. Who's to say? (laughs) You know. (laughs) All right. I mean that's that's twenty twenty eight problems. That's too much to worry (laughs) about for a comic book. Like in in eight years, DC and Marvel could like reboot, could end and reboot their comic universes like four or five times just for the ride. Yeah. Um, anyway, a lot of side, a <laughs> lot of sidetracking. <laughs> Fox, you messed me up. I'm uh, sorry, baby. It's all no, it, you you aren't actually. It's all me. I'm all over the place. But so we see New Britain. It's a nation divided between happy, healthy norms living in a sci-fi wonderland and the mutants <laughs> living in hovels on welfare. Really, it's not great. There's a yeah, hostel. Ru- there's a sex bar. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. There's been <laughs> it's been ruled by the political right for as long as anybody can remember, and extremists prosper as decent men mind their own business. Real, real shitty. Yeah. In the New Salisbury Cathedral, a woman, I believe we know that it's Sagan's mother, though I forget her name, mm. is at the pulpit as Brother Sagan sits in the in the pews, and she preaches mass extermination. And definitely seems to be down on the side of the exterminator. She name checks uh, Adolf Hitler, Idi Amin, Paul Pot, and later Joseph Stalin. Nice Real to rough. see a two- yeah, nice to see a 2080 villain. That's an explicit fan of Hitler again. I feel like it's been a little while <laughs> since we had one of those. It's how um, you know they're bad. I mean, right. it is, you know, it is presumably shorthand to make somebody bad. Like yeah. I don't know, <laughs> we're in weird times. No, but, um <laughs> yeah. She says, um, "Where did these quote unquote great leaders fail? <laughs> because they insisted on the death of their enemies. Yeah, what have they been man. able to send their victims to the moon or Mars or another dimension or something? I oh mean, oh my god." I'll mention that I know Stalin isn't really well remembered for sending a lot of people to Siberia to sort of die in the frozen wastes. Yeah. And, like, the first stage of the Holocaust was definitely kicking out a lot of, like, undesire you know, people that they considered undesirable on on boats and stuff. Mm. Like, it's definitely part of it <laughs> for these – God. Mon- history's greatest monsters types, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're really – they're really doing it, man. Especially yeah. when they they have their own fucking weird salute and – oh my God, Britain will be great again
0: was just such a fucking like oh, foreshadowing for real yeah, life. So Speaker has a, has a crowd spellbound, awakening long dormant patriotism in the congregation. She's got a plan. The final solution is at hand. Nudge, nudge. Britain will be great again. Woof oh dear Oof. yeah i mean it, it is fair just because great britain's the you know another word for the united kingdom blah 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 i will say that i really like hair I, I think harrison's doing a great job with this new church stuff yeah like, like, like in the art i don't know if i'd if, if if a scare could pull this off really the the sort of evil church type sort of talking about uh genocide and stuff like that and making them look just hideous when up yeah. close yeah Exactly, I'm, I'm I'm sure he could, but I feel like they're really well rendered by by Harrison here. Yeah, they get a very drippy,
1: they kind of got a centibite feel to them, you know?
0: You're right, yeah, yeah it's got that, that that a very Hellraiser kind of feel to him, for sure. Um, So back in the circus ship, Middenface is getting his fortune told by a psychic phrenologist who's just having a field day with his head lumps. Oh my and god. She foretells the death of someone very close to him. Oh! <gasps> Um, she kind of yells at him, and or and uh, Midface chases her away, and he worries that it's him for getting his grand's dog killed, which seems reasonable.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, probably not great that it happened.
0: Totally. Back at the cathedral, Sagan's mom checks with that everything's ready with Lords Baden, Farrell, and Mosley. Um, Mosley's certainly a reference to British fascist uh, Oswald Mosley, who we've seen satirized previously in 2000 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, from I just did some quick like British names slash fascism research and like Baden might be a reference to Boy Scout founder Robert uh, Baden Powell who used swastikas and merit badges pretty late in the game in terms of Nazi appropriation of that symbol oh oh boy I mean you know it's in his defense it was previously a Hindu symbol of like good luck and stuff you get a lot of like Rudyard Kipling books and stuff that have swastikas on them just as sort of like here's a fun symbol that you know Again, it's why cultural appropriation's bad, buddy, because sometimes Nazis do it, like literal ones. <laughs> um, but – and of course, I'm happy to be told wrong of there being a more explicitly uh, Nazi Baden besides the Boy Scout guy. Um, and then Farrell, I, I, I couldn't really find anything relevant to 1988 mm-hmm. I, or that, 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 that would have happened by 1988. Anyway – what is important is these guys have plans that involve commandos, and Sagan <laughs> himself has plans for Johnny Alpha. Um, L is looking up something, is cooking up something nostalgic for him. Yeah, this is some and, this is some bullchips. Yeah, and then this episode ends with a pit up of a shadowy Johnny Alpha in what seems to be maybe a ruined schoolyard or something. Welcome to Milton Keynes. Mm. Which, which you'll remember, Fox, is the biggest mutant ghetto in Europe, FYI. Yep. So, uh, part three of the story opens with some flashbacks of Johnny and his work with Smiley's World. How he and Wolf builds a nice cabin there, Then the place was attacked by the slavers of Drool. Uh, they went and saved everybody from them. And eventually, it served as the final resting place for Wolf when he was assassinated by the coward Max Bubba. Max Bubba, may you rot in hell. That's right. Um it's here to Smiley's world that Johnny has returned for the second anniversary of his friend's death. It's crazy to think actually to me that's been two years for Johnny, like in real life, I guess. But it's also just been about a year when this episode comes out to Wolf's death back in 465. Yeah. Like both of those were in January of 22 of were in January, which is when both that one and 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 this one's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. That was back in 465. Honestly, I'm mostly just unhappy because I feel like we should be going through this stuff faster. Oh, more than two years. Anyway. Uh, yeah,
1: it really <laughs> is.
0: You know, the people of Smiley's world greet him with open arms. And it's really nice, actually. Everyone's yeah. happy, dancing around, giving each other high fives and stuff. You see, like, one of the little girls goes to, like, hug Johnny, like, spreads his arms real wide. I know. I really like you, that this image is the stuff. first
1: time we've seen him smile in, like, a long fucking time. Absolutely, it's real
0: good. They have mm. dinner and Face says grace in a real silly Scottish way, <sighs> and it's just real nice, real happy, man. By the time yeah. they get to the service, though, it's it's raining, mm. and that but that doesn't stop everybody from singing the praises of Johnny of of Johnny and Wolf, these heroes that saved them from slavers when no one else would, and then. How sad they are that Wolf was, uh, got, was, was killed two years ago, and they miss him and honor his memory, which is really yeah. nice as well. And that he's in um, Valhalla, probably just beating the shit out of everything. Yeah, Johnny steps up, said some words, he talks about Wolf's Viking past, like you said. Yeah, we got a real dope-ass picture of Wolf in Valhalla, just hammering everything nah. in between, like, just feasting and getting drunk in the hero halls and stuff. And, oh, it's real awesome. Fucking rad oh it's real good man but listen nothing gold can stay fox because there's a no. rumble from the ground and suddenly a goddamn zombie wolf rises from the ground oh so bullshit how have you been old cucumber mm. fuck these new church guys buddy i know real piss <laughs> off it's like this is some like, bullshit like to disrespect wolf's wolf's um wolf's memory this way has me more angry than their planned genocide <laughs> strong agree <laughs> feeling weird about that myself but i'm yeah. looking past it you know it's the you know it's one of those uh uh as 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 they would quote the great uh hero joseph stalin you know one person is a tragedy uh million is a statistic but anyway Jeez. Cheese and crackers, Wolf is alive and looking super grody. I know. He's really uh, falling apart, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's been two years, you know. Uh, yeah. Johnny tells him to stay back, but can't bring himself to shoot his old partner, even in zombie form. Midden face tries to, but misses. And suddenly the Viking zombie, or Draugr, I guess, I don't know, yeah. is upon him with the happy stick. He cracks Mittenface upside the head. And Johnny, Oof. who's lost his gun, has forced to draw his goddamn electro nux. That's our boy. Put him back a- in the ground. It's been a while since we've seen the Nux as well, I think. But uh, he punches Wolf into submission and then scans him with his alpha eyes, finding oh. a strange figure in a pentacle deep in Wolf's mind. Mm. The face disappears and all that's left is to bury Wolf for a second time. Back on Earth, it seems Charnel was controlling Wolf through a voodoo doll and got actually injured by Johnny's attack on him. Just sort of sympathetic injuries, basically. Um... And Sagan is, has apparently sworn revenge on Johnny, as well as all other mutants, and promises that Johnny will die. God, just really being a huge jerk. Real bad. Yeah, real sad that he's got his brother Sagan. You know, it's a real, uh, real uh, slap in the Come. face to Carl Sagan, who's a cool dude. Yeah, man, he was rad. Yeah, Wolf is laid out as Johnny and face discuss what's up It's not clear that what's happened But that was clearly magic, buddy Some real Malak Brood kind of stuff Bad mm. news indeed Johnny hits, Wolf bot, hits Wolf's body with a time grenade Committing his friend's bones to the stars Rest in peace, big fella And hopefully
1: you never get weirdly resurrected again That's right Next time,
0: Cruel Britannia
1: Yeah God damn. That's just like, I, it's such a cheap fucking bullshit trick. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it is a real heartstring puller to zombify this character that we all love and have him come back and force Johnny to have to, uh, it's like to both get beaten up by a zombie partner and then have to like kill him and, you know, do all this stuff. It's real fudged, like, man. Like Charnel says that, like Johnny's taken some both physical and mental wounds. You know, I mean, listen. The last time people
1: fucking did anything like this, it it did not end well. Didn't end well for them for sure. The rage. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. So okay, you've done a little bit of mental and like a light amount of physical damage.
0: What do, what do you think is going to happen here? <laughs> Yeah, you've done it now. Gone and made a big mistake. Yeah, Rampage Part 2. All right, that's the key. I want want it so bad. Soon enough. And on the topic of rampages, Fox. Oh, gosh, yeah. Thrill 2, Rogue Trooper.
1: Man, oh, man. (sighs) Chips are so dumb
0: they're really they're really blowing up rogue spot constantly throughout this story they're dropping they're dropping it like all the goddamn time like they just they're just messing everything up so script robot simon Geller, um art robot Steve Dillon, letting robots Tom frame hit four is continuing fox with Rogue Trooper and his computer chip war gear buddies aboard a spaceship with a bunch of New Earth chumps to join the new Moral Army, which is his target. And Um, something, something, the light, getting ruled by us, we're the better ones. Yeah, we get sort of an intro video by Colonel Oliver. At first I thought it might have been Colonel Olivier or something, Mm. but based on puns, it's definitely Oliver, which (laughs) is a. Elvis Costello reference about Oliver's army, and then all this thing stuff like uh-huh. that. Um, anyway, Oliver's got a very televangelist feel to him for sure. We see him, like yeah. you said talking a lot about humanity prevailing over the forces of darkness and stuff. And in the hold of the ship, the ships are patching a pl- are hatching a plan. As you do, Ugh, and, but without rogue
1: there. So you know, let's let's all take a vote, but without the fourth person, and let's just like
0: whatever we decide is just going to be the thing we do. Absolutely. So, um, the ship they're on pulls into an even larger, like, space station-sized ship, basically. And as all the new troops load off, an alarm goes off, and or um, unload, an alarm goes off, and a soldier is grabbed for having a transmitting device. Gasp. The colonel himself shows up wearing an extremely sparkly suit. Yeah, and- what the F? Pulls a knife and just cuts this traitor open from stem to stern to find the tracker. And then just is like, yep, uh, if he ate it, just check his tummy. Yep. From that, this blood, Oliver looks over and sees Rogue. And Rogue is forced to spout some anti-clone rhetoric to try to fit in. Yeah, about himself.
1: He's like, like, I'm just a dumb clone. But man, I'm so into this light stuff and like whatever
0: fight and light. We're good. I'm dumb and humans are great. Yeah. Oliver tries to make a sermon about it until it becomes clear that the transmitter isn't coming from the dead guy, but from Rogue himself.
1: Great job, Chips. Now we gotta, like, fucking punch and shoot our way through this, and it's also just a giant space station full of bad dudes. Ah, this conversation was boring anyway. Let's run! Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's fair. There's not enough assassinating going on, so... Yeah. So next up, Rogue's back in in the front of the Prague after taking Prague 601 off and 602. Running and gunning through the NMA station as the chips recap the plot of what's going on. You know, their mission is to to destroy the entire new moral army. So Bagman is transmitting to all nearby war fleets in the hope that they'll swing by and, you know, blow them up. Which, okay, I mean, seems like we're going to get blown up, though. Well, yeah, because this broadcast also makes them extremely easy to track within the station themselves. And the army's going bonkers to to get them. Meanwhile, on Earth. (laughs) Um. Oh, snap. It's those guys. I had completely forgotten
1: about these assassin people.
0: Yeah, the Seekers, that weird assassin group that's been tracking Rogue is not is having a bad day. That Elvisy boss with the man buns pretty pissed, but the badass lady seeker explains that Rogue isn't just a clone, he's a combat genius. Yeah, I as mean, you see Rogue getting exhausted as he just runs from one corridor to another and everybody just keeps finding him and having a fight.
1: Yeah, he the biggest problem, you can't bury yourself
0: underneath paneling, you know. <laughs> it's true, you can't tunnel. Oh, he's out of his element. I know. Um, after this meeting the uh the seeker boss tries to put the put the put the moves on the lady seeker who's named Ingrid we learn which like and then we
1: find out yeah I mean she breaks his dang dang hand how is this guy even the guy
0: breaks a couple fingers joint manipulation there but uh well. yeah it's like she breaks his fingers and walks off cuz she's going to do take out rogue yeah, so is this is this big Elvis boy like a big strong Elvis boy, or is he just a big dumb Elvis boy? He's just a big old bureaucrat, you know. He doesn't have the fighting powers. He just recruits other people to fight for him, man. Oh or something. man. Um, Rogue's still on the run as the New, new Moral Army's after him, Bagman's Yelling directions for where to run But they eventually take a turn and end up At a dead end, which is also a freaking Airlock, good job uh, buddy Yeah, <laughs> and Once
1: again, really putting Us out of harm's way in the most Literal sense, if I guess like a giant vacuum of Space is less harmful, which it turns Out it
0: is, I guess mm. Oliver shouts out demon Out and space is him Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Though, of course, the response to this is sort of spoiled by the cover of the Prague this in 602, which shows Rogue floating yeah. through space with kind of a breath mask on and stuff like that. So you kind of know what's going to go. Um, floating in deep space, Rogue has the breath mask on, but it really just seems like they're just going to die in space, basically. They're sort yeah. of Guardians of the galaxying out here in space. Or, actually, no. Actually, maybe you might say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxying out in space because wow. suddenly they're picked up by one of the fucking VCs that saves him. Oh, hell yeah. Nort Marines, baby. Fate, fate oh wait no yeah like you said it's not one of the VCs it's well, an ordinary they, they look very, exactly like very the VCs. VC kind of uniform they're blasting into the NMA base saving rogue and killing all these bad guys It's rad. Hooray, space marines. At least until one of the, until like Bagman blows up Rogue's spot and calls him Rogue and like, wait a minute, you aren't, you're that one specific blue guy, not a random blue guy. Oh God,
1: (laughs) what did you, ding, ding, darn, I'm going to get you. And then they just shoot him through the, through the So Rogue's
0: got to run, running from both the Numeral Army and now the Nords as well. Um, He's rushing uh, to the base looking for Oliver himself.
1: And then, of course, uh, you know, Bagman blows their gu- or helm, sorry,
0: blows their fucking yeah. cover because everyone else got a turn. Everybody's yelling stuff and blowing up Rogue's spot constantly, though Bagman does manage to whip some grenades at the uh, enemy troops at the very least. Ugh. Rogue notices that the Nord commanders are starting to leave, presumably because they planted enough explosives on, the- on here to blow the whole ship to, to Kingdom Come. But Boy. Rogue's on the prowl He's looking for Oliver as Gunner starts Taunting him warrior style <laughs> Ollie no. Come out and play
1: Oh god and once again Blown up goddamn Rogue's
0: butt That's right Rogue so that they get in there But um eventually the preacher Does get the uh get the drop on Rogue Bashed him with a mirror or something Yeah like a um, thing Yeah, but as he goes to stab him, um, the Nort Marines show up and shoot him in the back, and Rogue is able to finish him off with a shard of broken glass, like a cool old knife. Which I just, like, god damn, dude. It's good, and the job is done. If there's a heaven, there's a hell, too. And they warp out as the new Moral Army ship explodes. Red. so all of i
1: mean, so while the ship's plan, technically speaking, worked, right— Mm -hmm. I feel like all of that could have also been done potentially by Rogue not getting his cover blown. It's true.
0: Yeah. But anyway, the end of hit four coming soon. Hit five. The queen is dead. I mean, all right. So he's going to kill a queen? No, because this is the end of the Hitman storyline. It's been scrapped. Oh, 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 okay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm really glad that we got pot committed. Get in here, buddy. Yeah, listen, we did four. We aren't doing the other 12 or whatever. Oh, Um, my God. Rogue will return in April of 1989 for the very well-regarded story Cinnabar, which is going to be a a, a fun one. And then okay. this Hitman story will conclude in the pages of the 1989 Winter Special. That's the Winter Special for next year, which I'll oh, a very oh, special really? guest for. I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be the final hit, which is going to wrap up a lot of Rogue Trooper stuff, honestly. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess he got – will he get all 12 in the same spot? There's going to be some jump, at some uh, some uh, time dilation to sort of cut okay. to the end, basically. Sure. But it's the, I believe it is the big showdown with that Elvisy guy. Like that's the All big right. thing. Yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, <laughs> you, you, know. you tried rogue. I mean,
0: I was kind of into it. I liked how silly it was. Something. There were some ins and outs, but we've definitely seen these hits come slower and slower, and it definitely feels like, like <sighs> yeah. I feel like like this one feels very rushed because I think you're right. If the chips hadn't sort of blown up his spot, there could have been an issue or two of Rogue being undercover and like sort of finding out if that there's actually some sort of dark secret behind the new moral yeah, army and stuff. Right? Like usually w- when we have these things. Like there's more to it than just this guy's charismatic and he has a plan. Like there's <laughs> some kind of some kind of evilosity just under the under the uh, under the surface or something like that. Yeah, man. Every time, as opposed to just a guy that rogue kills, whatever.
1: Jeez, man. Just jeez. Not not yep. not happy about it. Yeah. And on the topic of unusual gods, Fox. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, and he's wearing that weird suit. Uh. Time for Thrill 3,
0: Judge Dredd. God, just oogie. Hmm. Uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner, art robots Glenn Fabry, Vanyo, Chris Weston, and Will Simpson. Langer Steve Potter and Jack Potter. No time frame this week. Very rare. Yeah. Non-frame dreads this episode. Real weird, so, uh, like, Neil Gaiman-esque gods going on. Well, I would say, yeah, I'd actually say it's extremely Discworld, this first story. Oh, yeah. With Alan Grant and and Alan Grant writing it and Glenn Fabry on art. Just because, like, those books have a lot of, like, the gods sort of in the center of the disc who look down on humanity. Maybe they'll move things around on a chessboard or make a deal or something like that. And they are often silly gods, as mm-hmm. in this case, in the heavens above Mega City 1, we see Cosmos, the uh, god of consumer spending and credit cards, Jeez. and Venus Muncia, goddess of unemployment, having an argument about the morality of mega citizens, you know, as you do. Yeah, I mean, you got nothing better to talk about, I suppose. Yeah, they decide to settle it by giving ordinary citizen Joseph Everidge godly powers and seeing what he does with them. Ugh, I mean, he does his best. Yeah, definitely we see him like uh he stops a mugger cuz his arm grows real big, but then everybody does Gross. that because Mega City 1's a ridiculous place. Everybody's like, "Oh man, that guy's got god powers. Let's talk to him. Let's get him to do stuff." <laughs> Everyone just wants things. And they instantly know what's going on, which I think is pretty good too. Like, yeah, yeah. I've seen this. <laughs> part for the course. He, he wishes everybody away and they just go flying all over the place like a, like a bowling pins Ugh. and he wishes them back and they come flying back towards him and <laughs> just land in a big bloody pile. <laughs> and all this stuff happening dreads on the scene cuz it's your standard superpower situation. He knows what to do. Yeah. Uh, he goes to drag Joseph to the psycho cubes but average wishes oh. that the judges would be nice for a change. The, and then the best
1: picture ever that is incredibly disconcerting that has graced yeah. these pages in a while. This, like, oh, ooh. Yeah. Very, he's, very
0: beautiful pose here. Yeah, he's mincing about with a smiley face badge and a very silly uh, shoulder eagle. It looks like... Have you seen... Um, As we're recording this, there's sort of this new video uh, where they took like this scene from a Batman Arkham Knight, the video game, and mm-hmm. they swapped the bodies of a Catwoman and Batman. So, like... Catwoman standing there very seriously, and like Bat- Batman's like <laughs> like flouncing around like sexy Catwoman, basically. No, that sounds amazing. You it's will send pretty that hilarious. To me. Yeah. You will send that to me. It's pretty hilarious. That's very much what's happening here with Dread, where he's like, Oh, thank you, citizen. Well, have a lovely day. That's uh, so great. He, we see a close up of him smiling, and Glenn Favre really goes insane with just how terrifying Dread being forced to smile is. It's not wow. good. It's like. I can't even, like, it's just, you know, I mean, obviously, it's, it's it's dread smiling, so it's just going against every muscle in his body, just forming this grim rictus I mean, on his
1: face. It's real not good, and also <laughs> very
0: disconcerting. And we see in his head, in his thought bubble, he's just screaming that he doesn't, he wants to kick this dude's ass, but he can't because <laughs> of the wishes. Oh, boy. Um, meanwhile, Everage is making his next wish to turn the city on its head, full of worthful fairness and peace. He wants everybody to have, like, you know, jobs and money and everything to be free, good times. Uh, everyone's happy, one man, one vote. And therein lies the problem because suddenly everybody's protesting everything for their various weird mega city one positions. Oh my God. It's just very, it gets strange real fast joseph just wants to go home but this ver- nice version of dread isn't up to the task also i should mention mm-hmm. we enter page seven of this eight page story and we run out of color pages yeah the, the ink ran dry he very nicely asks joseph efforts to turn him back to normal and like an <laughs> idiot he does not oh the go- yeah real the guys dumb looking on or like "Ooh, this is a mistake
1: and, you know, just calmly walks over to his bike, slowly takes out his day stick,
0: <laughs> you know? just smacks him upside the head. He forces average to wish things back to normal. And I think a really funny part where um, there's this big protest, and suddenly there's like 20 judges there with day sticks, just hitting everybody over the head as they like mow them, you know, mowing through them, basically. It's pretty solid. Oh, <laughs> it's fantastic. Average force is is then forced to wish for no more wishes to relinquish the power of the gods. Oh my god, it's fantastic! And the gods themselves exchange winnings on the wager. And Dread looks up into the sky and tells them to knock it off. You're <laughs> on notice. Cosmos is like, oh, the impertinence! And um, and uh, Venus Muncie is like, wait, no, don't do anything. What if he finds out we've been gambling? He'll arrest us. Jesus, it's so good. I mean, the literal devils in Isoblock 666, you know, you got to be careful. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But it is, this one's real, real funny, real whimsical stuff. Just with um, good, just fun Judge Dredge stuff. Oh, and it gets even more ridiculous, I feel like. (sighs) Oh, yes. Um, So next up, Vanyo's on Art, his first time in the Prague since Wolfie Smith way back in the mid-hundreds. He's been doing a lot of Eagle stuff and things like that in, in that time. Anyway, Fox. We're in November and December 1988. This is November 88 when this one comes out. And it's mm-hmm. time to get extremely 1988. Yeah. <laughs> the Elder Ninja Mud Wrestling Vigilantes. Elder Ninja Mud Wrestling Vigilantes. Really um, rolls off the tongue, huh? Though my understanding in the UK it should actually be Eldster Hero Mud Wrestling Vigilantes. Because uh. <laughs> people really freaked out about the word ninja when it first came out. That's my understanding That's right. of it all um anyway some Jews are robbing an elster when suddenly the uh emwv enmwv show up on the oh. scene they got white hair ninja suits one's a lady because you got to do that for inclusion um and when the punks laugh they throw buckets of mud at them then they also hit
1: horn man that's the weird thing i feel yeah, like one there's... guy's got an
0: ear horn definitely what whaps guys with him and there's a fair amount of ear horn based humor in the course of this story yeah um, they also hit them with a pan drop flails which okay. are a type of mint i assume that's like a like kind of a grandma mint in um in the UK i sort of am imagining them as the uk version of those candies that are of those strawberry candies that have come in the wrapper that, oh, that, yeah. that, that that looks like a strawberry that I feel like just like gets a issued to you. Well, like, yeah, one of those ones that get issued to you by the government when you become a grandparent, you know? Yeah, to make sure that everybody
1: uh, eats these and also needs to take their vitamins.
0: Right. And that you can kind of give your, give your grandkid a treat, but it's not really a satisfying one. No. Um, they also got lead-tipped canes and like you said, ear horn wrappers. They return the victim's wallet and run when a police siren uh, approaches, (laughs) dreads on the scene. And there's a pretty funny moment where he's like, oh, good job kicking these muggers' asses, citizen. And he's like, oh, it wasn't me. It was those vigilantes. (laughs) And dread rides off because we can't have vigilantes here in this city. Oh, That's no. no good. Zero tolerance. Yeah. The Eldsters packed into a tiny hover car are on the run from the law and decide what to do. The only choice seems to be to beat up the judge so they can escape and keep fighting crime. This oh, is a terrible idea. Not Two good. terrible ideas in a row. Um Still, they give it a go. They like pull over, toss Mud on Dredd, and attack him as they did those punks before. And while they seem to knock him down, Dredd's basically humoring them because he beats them up by basically just standing up and oh they my go God flying. <laughs> um, oh. They're all taken out automatically. Open up four croc cubes. We got four unconscious Eldster Ninja Mud Wrestling Vigilantes coming in. Oh... Heroes of the Half Hearing, Elster Power. God uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So next up, Chris Weston's on art. Alan Grant's still on writing again. Very Alan Grant this episode. Um, Man, I gotta say, I
1: so there's a poster in this. Uh, it's McDuck's Burgers, Big Yuck. Muck, and then it's saying Yuck. <laughs> yeah. Like what? I think they just wanted to keep using Uck words. I feel like this might even be a reference to some kind of McDonald's commercial at the time, but
0: damned if I damned like go. A McDuck burger? I feel like that's some? gonna be a weird one. Yeah, it'd be like real real, real fatty. That's an interesting one. I don't know. i I got a McDuck burger at least once. I've had all these I had a I had that sandwich that was just two pieces of chicken with cheese in the middle. Like uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I do d
1: I I don't I I'm still impressed you went to the
0: double down. Of course. Gotta listen. I- um, anyway, full moon <laughs> in Mega City 1, which makes people susceptible to a- accidents and so on, as seen by this one dude walking in front of another citizen's roadster, and then he trips and falls and cracks his head on the curb. He's dead! This, I feel like we have seen something to this effect multiple times,
1: like sure, clumsy, I mean- clumsy
0: murder. In Mega yeah, City 1. Fair amount of accidental clumsy murder in Mega City 1. You know, their necks are real weak because of, there's not enough uh, calcium in their diets, you know. I know oh that's what I'm not true. Sure. Whatever. Um, anyway, in a panic, the driver has only one choice and that's to do a hit and run and drive off. But when he puts it in reverse to escape, he accidentally smushes a dude from the Julian Cope block who Oof. is like a post-punk singer that um, – is really into uh, Neolithic culture and stuff. I don't know. But uh, anyway, okay. the driver's dealing with this new dead guy when another uh. dead guy comes by, sees all the bodies, and is going to call the judges. It's like, what the heck are you doing, murder guy? I really like...
1: I, <laughs> he, <laughs> when he corners him, he's like, let me go, you crazy
0: killer. <laughs> like He's already killed two people, Fox. He's about to kill a third because he punches this guy. He falls over and hits his head on the ground and dies, too. It's real not good. I will say shout out to Chris Wesson for all the awesome Mega City One fashions in this comic. It's yeah. really great. All these guys have really cool, really different outfits that are like there's like some shoulder pads going on. There's like some armored stuff. There's some a lot lace. of cool stuff here. It's real nice. Yeah, a lot, there's a lot of it. Um, but yeah, so now he's got three dead bodies. Real murder. Real comedy <laughs> of murder errors going on here. Not he great. Loads all three corpses into the backseat of his car and heads out to the chem pits to try to dump him, not realizing that his tail lights out. Dred oh. does realize it though, and he's on the scene. Oh my god, time to pull over. No, this breaks into a high-speed chase, yet another big mistake made in these stories. Um, oh. The driver tries to take a tries to quickly take an off-ramp and escape, but sideswipes a moped that crashes into industrial area, causing a huge conflagration. Oh, man. It's, uh, he just keeps killing a lot of people. Seriously. As, uh, dread radios in the emergency and we see giant fire cranes putting out the blaze. I
1: love these see- giant fire bugs
0: that just like pee water from their <laughs> <Definitely>. bottom gun. <laughs> yeah. Good times. And we see the drivers saying all this and in, spe- in, in, in the back of a pretty cool, like, sort of jail wagon kind of thing. Yeah. It's got tank treads, which I like. But, uh, he curses the moon for causing all of this problems and the fellow prisoner agrees, but that guy is a dang wolf man. Yeah, this felt that that ending was just it should have ended
1: with an exclamation point. Like that felt so fucking future shock. This full
0: warwolf here good times. So now going from humor to melancholy, Fox. Yeah, real gross. Wagner's back writing and Will Simpson's on art for this story. I like a whole lot. It's called mm. Curse of the Spider Woman. It's taken its name from the award winning movie Kiss of the Spider Woman, a good place to see Raoul Julie in a role, in a role not based on like a children's intellectual properties. Of- okay. But uh, we meet citizen Eleanor Groth, who likes writing in her journal and rece- and gets a knock on her door from Judge Dredd because she's oh, just fuck. won a, pr- a prize for oh. her essay on the 10 top reasons for informing on a close friend. Damn. Well, that's pretty rad. Now, that's a freaking BuzzFeed listicle, buddy. Oh, um, man. <laughs> She's also got two daughters and her and it's her 10th anniversary with her husband, John, and everything – or 12th anniversary, I should say. Everything seems really nice. They have a lovely day at the fair. Aww. But things get bad because it seems that Eleanor has started growing, like, a lot of hair over her body. And John kind of makes fun of it and ruins the day because she's really self-conscious <sighs> about it. I mean, I would who wouldn't be? Yeah. At this point, it's really hard to tell, I guess, just because of the kind of general fuzziness of Simpsons' uh, line style. Mm-hmm but she's definitely super feeling bad about it um john doesn't seem to be that worried actually he seems to have a pretty good attitude throughout this whole thing i's I, sure. I, supportive I husband except for his really bad jokes yeah but i mean you know you got to do something i guess i guess as a maker of bad jokes in sensitive situations i could empathize with his That's stance right. um <laughs> She's tried uh, depilatory creams, everything, but, like, she grows the hair back, like, with, even within hours of using, like, depilatory creams. Jeez. They go to the doctor, and it's bad news. She's been infected by the arachnid
1: gene virus. Great job, Mega City 1. Fucking <laughs> couldn't have spotted
0: yeah. that one earlier. Basically, once you get it, you slowly, but eventually quite quickly, turn into a giant spider. Not great. John again seems to be pretty chipper about this He's making appointments at different doctors and stuff Even as Eleanor's now visibly fuzzy And her hands are like joining Her fingers are joining oh. It's becoming like claw hands God, not great In the end though, it seems there's no hope for a cure She's got maybe two weeks left Before she just becomes a full-on spider beast Also want to do a shout-out for the doctors here Who
1: just all have strange headgear on got to have that doctor in gear,
0: man. you put it in your domes, you can see stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the disease isn't contagious, but is pretty horrible. They basically say, like, listen, she won't experience at, uh, any pain at the end of it because she'll have turned into some new creature in one of any of your wife's memories or knowledge or personality God, or What a wonderful thing to think about seriously the doctor offers to put her down but john rejects it and a few days later she's almost a full-on spider and dreads at the door he's sad to do it but because agv counts under the mutant segregation act eleanor is to be exiled from Mega City one to the cursed <sighs> Earth. man just going from strength to strength this poor woman more next episode oh god It's real crazy, just this huge bummer right at the end of these three funny Dread stories. Yeah, what's going on? It's a real uh, salty with a sweet kind of situation on Dread this time. Big time. I think it's fun, though, man. I like this. Just, you know, it's it's like – I like a – like – you know, I'm a big I'm a big dread guy, so I'll take a mega epic, I'll take an extended storyline, I'll take a bunch of one shots all at once that have different tones. It's always yeah, a good yeah. time.
1: I mean, you know, you can have all of that and more with Judge
0: Dread. Always, and on the and as we go to uh, exciting things with a lot of variety, or maybe less than that, it's non thrills covers and nerve centers. Oh, hooray! First Proc 600, the big 600. Oh, oh. Dang. New model Tharg stands next to a big six, 600, only 580 progs until 2000 AD. Yeah? Yeah, that was actually 574, to be precise. But a lot of those is because they're going to start sort of putting out a a December prog and then taking the rest of the month off. That's going to sort of cut it down a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, in the nerve center, Tharg's pretty happy about the milestone. Says in the year 2000, the Prague might be named something like Jonathan or Vincent or something. But he's happy to take <laughs> s- suggestions as well. There's pictures of a rogue rat and a ram bunny, the Strontium Rabbit. Does a very yeah. sort of Usagi yojembo c- 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 kind of mm-hmm. look to it to me. Letters call call Tharg out for not having an 11th birthday celebration. There's praise for returning thrills in the Dread Twister story, a six-year-old whose granny reads some 2000 AD, which I'm not sure is super appropriate. Um, <laughs> Rad grand, Yeah. Add some questions about what's going on with Dan Dare, and you got to check in with Where Eagles Dare for Dan Dare info, buddy. Yeah, come on, man. Mid-prog, there's a half-page comic for that goddamn Willow. Willow. Great, great fucking movie, man. Unsung. Yeah. We see the early parts of the movie, from the finding of the baby to the introduction of Mad Mardigan. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Cool guys. It's fun stuff. It's very, like, very skipping over the high points. Just some real basic stuff, but just sort of presenting Willow as a fantasy epic here. God, no
1: no consultation of the bones. No magic acorns.
0: Nah. Well, listen, you got to see the movie. Yeah. The comic strip is not a replacement for the movie. It's to get you to see the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. The prog ends with a big star scanned by Barry Kitson of Dread and Stan Lee locked in a deadly embrace. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm not super sure about the Japanese uh, Rising Sun imagery in the background, but that's neither here nor eh, there. Anyway, yeah, we're well, not looking too deep under that. It looks cool. I think that's what's most important. Yes. Prog 601. Vigilante crime wave. Dread finds the final clue: an oldster pension book mm. in this Liam Sharp cover. Um in the nerve center Tharg explains that the uh what's up with the Bad Coast uh, story this month but warrants against trying to buy any of the pages through him like talk to people elsewhere for that stuff buddy don't Come want on, any man. letters There's pictures of a demonic looking running gun and a Bradley Throg who's a Sprock yeah. Thar- mich- uh, a mashup yeah. letters ask um where all the sad endings to 2000 AD are, and don't worry they're coming buddy we're going to oh, get yeah. some Oh that's <laughs>
1: um <laughs> As sure as the sun
0: rises, my man. Yeah. Other letters ask about Dredd's height, and Thread answers, Tharg answers a very literal 10 inches. Mm-hmm. Hey, Reader has – because, you know, it's 10 inches on the page, buddy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, reader has forgotten about the uh, two-prog prologue to Venice Phase 2, which hasn't been reprinted anywhere yet. And another thinks bleach bottles should be red and not blue. And also here in the States, bleach bottles are white. uh, 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 Laundry soap is red and fabric softener is blue. And I feel like that's a better way to do it. Yeah. Um, more Willow this time with the Peck meeting the Fairy, uh, Sherland, uh, uh, Sherlandrea or whatever. Mm-hmm. The baby's name is Alora. Allora. Laura <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but their tavern's being attacked by that bad guy lady and that skull dude. It's time to mm-hmm. run. Later, there's ads for Strike It Lucky and Stratego board games. What? Hey, listen, gotta put like like I always uh I always uh put the flag somewhere else and then make a square of bombs around like a scout or something just to mess people up man I um, never played stratego at all man this is where our like 5 year age difference really tells a tale fox um, <laughs> I've also never heard of strike it lucky so I feel like that's a british tv show it's it's mm. it's a it's a it's a board game based on a tv show you know but you could also there's also a contest to win some titan paperback books Red. of uh dread stuff yeah um we also see the results of the eagle awards where 2080 cleaned up in the uk section and pat knows uh, yeah. to the role of honor which is pretty solid and the Prague ends star scan of chief judge silver by cliff robinson looking great for the chief we got that big eagle bib super yeah. ridiculous but well done here and i really like his uh justice eagle cane yeah he's got some weight to it yeah Proc 602, Rogue Trooper's chilling in space because he's the Gene Demon. Pretty good. He's yeah, very fun blue. John. Yeah, very blue, very blue John Higgins cover. I love that, that starscape behind him as well. Just mm. a lot of stuff in space. And the Nerf Center, Tharg's talking up the new 2080 Winter Special, which we'll be covering very soon in between basically the end of 1988 and the Spinneys. Cool. Um, and then there's a pictures of a bee-pure, bee-vigilant, oh, beehive. hive I
1: love this. And that there's an in and an out for the bees to go in. <laughs> Torquemada's going <an> ape, e <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
0: Listen, uh, fantastic. They got to sell some of these custom beehives to people. I'd, I'd buy that if I was in yeah. being out there. It's also a pretty cool but very gross, warped out Uh, Judge Dredd. He's got like some chin balls going on (laughs) and stuff. Um, letters complement the best of 2080 monthly. Thar gets a pretty explicit death threat, which I'm not really fans of. Um, Whoa. And a letter is published to help a reader like get a good grade on their GSCE exam. And then there's an obvious plant letter that requests 2080 branded binders, which uh. are coming soon to 2080. I see right through you, Maggie Knight of Brixton. You're a liar! <laughs> um. By February, money prizes in the letter pages will be a thing of the past, Fox, and binders will be your only reward, so blame it on her. God. Mid-prog, there's more willows. There's that wagon escape I really remember from the side-scroller willow video game. Yeah. Um, Sorceress has turned into a rat, and they all get captured, and the prog ends with a pin-up of Nemesis by by Jim McCarthy. The warlock stands in front of a boarded up building with various sad modern phrases appearing in his yeah. fiery mouth. Despair, poverty, slums, inner city blues, decays, crooked right. politicians. Hard times. Gonna get those hard times, Ric Flair. My warlock yeah. hand is touching your <laughs> hand now, daddy. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. The termite dream doth your nemesis. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm the working, the working warlock daddy. Um, oh Krug six oh three, nowhere to run, foot and carol are minute. Nowhere to head <laughs> by a crazy monster Bellard Nellelli cover, real fun here. Oh, In man. the nerve center, Thor's getting soaked for Christmas. There's tiny pictures of a very Frankenstein-y Judge Karloff and yeah. an investigating nemesis the Sherlock, and uh. some dude who slapped a big bio stick chip, bio uh biochip sticker onto one of the like forklifts where he works, or a yeah, loading duck. It's that's called. That's pretty rad. Yeah, it's neat. Like the, those, it's a really big biochip. It's like you know the size yeah. of like a frog or something. But I'd be down with that. Um, other letters include the dimensions of someone's back prog collections and a calling out of the use of skateboard terms like gnarly by Tharg. Oh, come on, man. Imagine without – I just imagine time when that was specific lingo as opposed to just kind of general stoner talk, I guess. <laughs> um, more willow this prog with some shield sledding, good guys getting reunited and the enemy at their backs. Um, the Prague ends with a very cool star scan of Torquemada by Nigel Dobbin, who's clearly I just beaten up some, somebody with their oi boys. As he stands with a raised fist in a bloody uh, I
1: I'll be honest, it took me a moment to realize that it was it was Torquemada.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I mean, because he you know he doesn't have qu- you know at this point my view of Torquemada is so based on like Hinclinton, especially yeah. for for a bareheaded Torquemada. You know, like everybody yeah. else draws him usually with uh with a, with the helmet and stuff yeah hickleton's yeah, 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 big yeah, yeah, for yeah. the uh for the torquemada help for the helmetless torquemada he's got a very distinctive look to it but the, the, this one does have the elements it's still got like the yeah. messed up nose and stuff like that it's cool yeah good times and as we continue with maybe worst times fox oh my god Drill <laughs> for moon runners man things are getting complicated yeah, but this is also where I feel like I'm really like the soap opera vibes of Moonrunners are really getting to me in this one. Where I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really care. I don't know, really. Like, I don't know. It's not doing it for me. I guess um, it is passively doing it for me. But I that's, like like I like the weird space stuff. But let's get to yeah, it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Script yeah, yeah. about Alan McKenzie and Steve Potter. And uh, sorry, Alan McKenzie and Steve Parkhouse. Art are about Massimo Bell- Bellaginelli. Letter about Jack Potter and Johnny Aldrich. Man, nothing says, uh, you know, like what space pirate ship without a viewing window that is exactly the size of you. Yeah. Karen Ash is locked up in the uh in like yeah, in the, the stateroom of one of her own ships, the Spirit of Concord, which currently lies dead in space because a superstitious crew is not pleased about there being a lady and a ridiculous sheer loincloth on their ship. Right. <laughs> I mean, she could have She could have dressed a little bit better here, I feel like. Nah, you gotta let it all hang out. Meanwhile, her daughter Carol is aboard another ship, the Spirit of St. Louis, pretending to be a male cabin boy. But, she is not good at the job. Yeah, she's being real shitty at it, spilling beer and stuff everywhere. She almost gets her face cut up by one of the crewmen, and First Officer Kempo arrives in time and breaks it up.
1: Yeah, I, he reaches his hands into the under lard of this guy's neck. It's
0: gross. But listen, you got to deal with these aliens the way you got to deal with them. Yeah, that's fair. Kempo's Carol's, a badass, though. Definitely. Carol's shocked by the undercurrent of violence on the ship when Captain <laughs> Flynn comes by and pulls Kempo into his office. He believes that the Van Hertz agent they found might have been a setup. And there's another one aboard the ship. A yeah. witness of something that could get them all in trouble But you gotta find him And we both gotta find Karen Ash.
1: Oh my god uh, Yeah, we gotta do this And he's got this Kempo situation real good
0: Yeah, he's on the hunt for the traitor Seems to have found one in the trippy bedroom Of the ship's pilot, Bunraku Ra- There's a weird computer device in his room that he finds And he's, he you know, like the, uh, the pilot comes in And Kempo says there's much disgust And the door closes behind him Oof. Back on the Concorde, t- K- Karen Nash is making some phone calls. She's setting the spirit of 76 to pick up a cargo pod and bring it to her. She wonders if Flynn will be able to uncover the Van Hertz agent aboard her ship and her own agent as well. This whole mm-hmm. thing turned into a game of secret Hitler or something. Oh, God. Uh, you know, the, the game. I'm not get Hitler no, at this point. Uh, yeah, anyway. yeah. It's like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just a lot of people have hidden jobs in here. you got to figure it out. All these um, agendas, man. Yeah, on the St. Louis, it seems Kempo has killed. Banraku during questioning. This,
1: this has an eyebrow raised for me. I'm like Kempo, dog. Like, feel like that was, uh, you know,
0: not a agreed. Yeah, that's that's put him on put them on the list. Yeah, we do learn where Kara is, though, but it's no help because now they can't fly because, of course, they've killed the pilot. Um, Oops. It's a rough spot, so Flynn addresses the crew, they're going to drop a cargo pod, and then they're going to hyperspace with Kempo at the helm. Which uh, probably won't turn out very well. Yeah, there's no objection, so they go to embrace the bitch. Ooh. The Spirit of St. Louis is heading to subspace, and things are getting weird. They get slightly spaghettified at first, and then a uh, space rowboat sort of swims by, yeah. and... <laughs> This is sort of the second half of a Hitchhiker's Guide, the Heart of Gold kind of thing going on. The first one was, of course, Rogue and, you know, suck in space and they got picked up in a Hitchhiker's Guide. But in this one, they sort of turn on the hyperdrive and just weird stuff starts happening, you know, the yeah. improbable stuff that happens in the Heart of Gold, for instance, um, is, is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, in this case, though, it's all kind of depressing things because uh, Carol sees her mom, Kara, chained to a wall and going mad with starvation. Which... And- which is great Which is kind of rough And then Kempo sees his own father Dying shot full of arrows Like St. Stephen's no. style As a scary belladinelli millipede Crawls out from under the panel oh. Kempo now with a bow Seems to be reliving some kind of old family drama And shoots his own dad Then Jeez. passes out uh, Flynn goes to help his his uh, first officer And orders Tech Tektu Doppler to the helm Which, I mean <laughs> Doesn't seem like the wisest plan It seems Kempo's <laughs> heightened senses couldn't withstand the psychic turbulence of subspace And I don't know if this guy's gonna be, like, ready for that either Yeah, a frustrated Flynn heads back to the bridge When a voice behind him croaks his name What the freak? Yeah, like, and also I still don't get this but Even when we see what it is <laughs> Oh, it's a giant corridor-filling monster after Flynn. It's real sad. So alone. Yeah, like, what? what is going on here? Flynn tries to, uh, to wait it out, assuming that it's a projection of his own mind and can't hurt him. But then it's acidy touch, burns him, and Guess. he's got to go. <laughs> we got to get the shit out of here. Yeah, the beast claws through the bulkhead and things look bad when Flynn suddenly thinks of Carol and she thinks of him. Whoa, they're getting all psychically connected, dude. Yeah, stuff's getting weird in the the cockpit we see as Carol slaps Doppler, tells him to get it the fuck together, and then runs (laughs) down to help the captain. Oh, my God. The monster's clawing towards Flynn now. Uh, Flynn tries to shoot it with his wrist harpoon, but now the monster just gets crying, You've betrayed me! Which, what the hell? What a sad sack, alien monster. Anyway, now it's going to (laughs) kill Flynn, and that's real bad. Next time on Moonrunners, Landed!
1: Ugh, what a weird... What a weird bunch of garbage is going on right now. Just a lot of weird stuff going on here in the deep space, you know? Yeah, I guess, uh,
0: you know, when you embrace the bitch, the bitch hugs you back. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I guess, um, I, guess I really find a lot of the corporate shenanigans that are going on in the background of this story. Like, whenever Karen Nash makes a phone call, I, like, tune out. Like, it's hard <laughs> for me to... Take You're the inform it's hard for me to to like take the information provided in the dialogue therein fox it just it slips right off my brain. <laughs> You don't want
1: to have the riveting uh, thoughts about like, oh, I'm gonna go pick up a drop pod, and I gotta make sure this guy's here to see me make this call, like everything's above board. And I know uh,
0: for a fact that that stuff is important for the plot of this story, Fox. Okay, but it's just like when they talk about business deals in like a soap opera or something like that. Like I just I don't care. About what the board from Charterstone (laughs) thinks about this stuff. I just want to see people make out, threaten each other with guns,
1: Fox. That's all I want. that's fair. I mean, you know, that's certainly, like, why uh,
0: Spanish soap operas are so much better. (laughs) And and, uh, as we continue talking about uh, vile threats and complicated storylines, Fox.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just, like... Turning in on itself in a really ridiculous Case, way. Cases of mistaken identity. Through <laughs> five, Zenith.
0: Things are heating up, man. It's time, yeah. to, it's time to punch a bomb, dad. Always. Script robot Grant Morrison, art robot Steve Yo, letting robot Gordon Robson, his kid. So, last episode, we learned the sad details of the death and eye harvesting of Zenith's mom. Ugh. And now we learned the fate of his father's body was salvaged and put into this here murder bot named Warhead. Oops. Doctor of superhumans pain locks Zenith in the room with Warhead. Yeah. And then basically says that he knows Zenith's biorhythm is at its lowest. He's essentially powerless. So God. his robo dad's just going to murder him here. Well, okay. Time for us to uh,
1: to have a dad versus son fight. This is in no I, way related to uh, uh, other dad I mean, versus son fights that might have been a, around during this time. It's a dad versus son
0: murder, frankly. Yeah. Um... Or it would be until Payne walks away, and there's a massive crunch, Ow. and Warhead flies through a wall. Hey, as it turns out, uh, Zenith is not at his lowest point right now. That's right. Man and robot fight as Zenith tries to talk his dad into, you know, tries to talk his dad out of it, but it's no good. Zenith tosses, tosses Warhead into a locked door, door number twenty nine, smashes it in a weird speech bubble, it just says, "Free, yeah, free. It's, that, it's the goop child." Anyway, Wallace is watching the missiles The missiles prepare to fire as Payne desperately lo- knocks on his locked door and says, I might have miscalculated his biorhythm and we could both be in trouble. Listen, man, like, can you just let me in?
1: He's like, uh, I mean, I could, but, you know.
0: Nah. Eh. Send, I, I, I got to be alone for my computer hacking. Um, send Shockwave and Blaze in. Nah, man, because they're grossly pregnant. They're incest <laughs> pregnant. We can't send oh. them in. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. um, Generally, anyway, Wallace can't be um, arsed for all this. He's got to lot these nukes. Good night, London. Yeah. Uh, Zenith moves to the front of the Prague as, uh, you know, as and he's definitely got his powers because he's punching the crap out of Warhead. Oh, my God. He- and then when the faceplate comes off, it's just like real bad. Yeah, the robot's head pops open, and we see the bloody Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Mm Jedi-esque face of Zenith's dad, but there's no redemption arc. There will be no redemption arc tonight. (laughs) Act warhead tosses zenith through a wall and the super and the bloody superman scrambles around um, as the robot stomps toward him they're in the main part of the base and he notices phaedra's like purse on a table okay. Okay. he grabs it rifles through and goes to find that strobe light gun she used on warhead at uh, the start of the story yeah. this incapacitates the machine and zenith just freaking punches it to flinders my but, dad that's it yeah, he's uh he's real cheesed now. Yeah. Pain it seems to be on the run. He's like moving some boxes to escape when Zenith crashes through the ceiling. Real pissed. Ugh. At the same no, time Yeah, at the same time in the skies above London, Peter Sinjin floats melancholily. He knows the nukes are headed to London any moment, and he means to catch them with psychic powers. Well, I hope it works, man. Yeah, back in Scotland we learned that Pain worked Zenith's biorhythm chart wrong because he based it on Zenith's showbiz birthday of January eighth, nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, which a- you may remember this, folks. Back in five sixty two, we saw um, at this this interview with Zenith and like a star scan in the back of the Prague, mm-hmm. and they asked him his interview, and that's the one he listed. But then at the start of this story, we saw some folks, including his agent Eddie, wish him a real happy birthday on February third. Exactly. So, there's sort of evidence and some world building for this. That, no, that's and, well, fun. and on top of that, like
1: that they also don't know when he was born. The parents right, ran exactly. off and like all of this other stuff felt the through
0: line there I felt was very satisfying. Yeah, good, decently built twist. Um, mm-hmm. Anyhow, he's powered up and it's probably time to stop Wallace from nuking London because he's locked in an impenetrable safe room. He's got to do it fast. Zenith says that he's killed Warhead. He's going to stop Wallace, but don't think I've forgotten about you, no, pain. Man. And then he does, and then he does a, a Quicksilver slash a Flash. Yeah, super speeds over there. He is at the door, but Wallace will only open it if he answers a riddle, and it's uh, the uh, crocodile dilemma from various ancient Greek logic sources, essentially. Nah. Um, and yeah, Bob Fox, I was told there would be no math or logic on this test. All <laughs> <laughs> so get out of here. Um. Zenith agrees to answer the question and manifests the power of telepathy to cheat, uh, brain-talking oh. to Peter Sinjin over long distances. Um, Sinjin gets, knows the answer instantly. He identifies it as, as being from Lewis Carroll, though I did a brief internet search and couldn't really find Carroll talking about the crocodile dilemma. Sure. He did write a poem about a little crocodile, and in logic circles, he is known for also innovating the, uh, the barber paradox. Okay which is like there's a town you can't cut your hair where only the barber can cut your hair but you can't cut your own hair so who cuts the barber's hair whatever uh, um anyway the answer is you'll eat my child and that opens the door up and Wallace is like yeah yeah I get it I know the logic I'm a smart guy <laughs> and he gives uh Zenith 4 minutes to talk him out of nuke in London I mean you know Nice of him, I guess. Yeah. Zenith goes to start this and Sinjin lets him know that he can actually reach through Zenith's mind and probably shut most of this stuff down telepathically. Oh, but yeah. But he wants to give it a go. Yeah, why not? He brings up, like, a point that I like, which is basically, like, like you're you're launching the nuke to conquer the world. But, like, directly conquering the world is a big responsibility. I, I, his like, logic here is actually pretty fucking flawless Yeah, because like it's one thing if you're just sort of ha- have a, existing power structures But if you're actively nuking places to become the, the, the boss of the world And suddenly you're responsible for the whole world, you know mm-hmm. you gotta, like Zenith asks him about unemployment But it's equally true about like just, you know Suddenly people are asking you to fill potholes everywhere and, and stuff Like you're the person that has these responsibilities These responsibilities Plus, like, you know, he'd conquer England and he'd have to clean up after his own freaking nukes. It's so true. Like, oh, I got to clean up my own mess. This is terrible. Plus, he kind of brings up the decent point that, like, you know, it's hard to conquer the world, and he says other people have done it. Like, have tried to do it, like Alexander the Great and Hitler. And he's like, "Dude, do you want to be Hitler?
1: <laughs> like, come like, on, man."
0: He kind of br- makes the opposite argument that um, that a Mama New Church was making at the start of at, mm-hmm. at the start of this episode. <laughs> He kind of talks about maybe I could be like a nice Hitler, but yeah. he realizes that this is pretty BS and <laughs> turns off the nukes. Crisis averted. Hooray! Good job. Using words to solve yeah. your problems instead of fists. Zenith, Zenith everybody. Wa- yeah, he walks out, the unbreakable door closes behind him, and it seems like Sin Sinjin reaches through his brain and turns off all the power on the base, locking him yeah. inside forever. Bye, buddy. <laughs> Ah, oh, you're dead, Branson? You're dead oof Ufa! Who's going to space now? Oh God,
1: <laughs> who's gonna drive a bunch of tanks through or a tank through a bunch of Cola virgin Cola that you tried to start? So ready for it next time.
0: the changeling, yeah, pretty fucking great. I loved every part of this. I love that there was some fight, there was, there was some fights, there was some talking, just a good mix of superhero action, which we don't yeah. see a lot of in 2000 AD, so it's well, good to he- see, see it
1: here. Well, and I like how very, like, it's just, it would have been easy, I imagine, for him to have broken in and, and done a thing. Uh, yeah. And instead, he definitely- like, he just, he's just like a good dude, even though he's kind of a shitty person sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate the desire to not just punch people's heads off, you know? Yeah, would have been really easy for him to do all of that. In
1: contrast to, say, you know, Mandala, who definitely just leaves that man
0: there to die. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard times out there, man. You know, you got to have some charity in your life. And, you know, as we discuss things that are about charitable donations, Fox. Thrill 6, Bad Company. Oof. Hi, guys. <laughs> uh, well, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Brett Ewan, and Steve Dillon, and later about Tom Frank. Good to see you guys again. In the past, yeah. Well, listen. I mean, th- this thing has a whole has a whole story behind it, but it's you know, okay. we're, all, we're here, Erret. I'm still on Ararat. <laughs> Uh Jeez. Daddy Frank's he's caught in a giant explosion and thinks he's dying. And said he comes to and learns that he's been being taken care of by a nice, friendly, cruel. He names simply. Oh. It seems this guy got a big head wound and some brain damage, and thus uh, is being kind to Daddy instead of killing him. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I think it's at least partially because Daddy's dreadlock, like the way his hair looks, is very similar to the shape of the spikes coming out of of Simply's head. So he kind of maybe thinks he's like a baby cruel or something, or like like himself or whatever. They wander through through the wastes and Simply seems like a child, still innocent and not warped by war and whatever life among the cruel is like. They approach the human base and Simply is instantly mortalized by Thrax. Thanks, man. Because that's what Thrax does. Who's the real villain here? etc. cetera. Wow. Uh, simply dies like Danny's childhood, and he goes to rejoin his buddies in bad company. Yep. Time to go kill some more cruel and eventually yeah. become a giant heart. Definitely. And after this story, we actually get to get sort of a text thing. Mm-hmm. which is just talking about the details of this comic, which I think are, are, are pretty interesting. Um, on September 25th, 88, uh, Ewan's Dylan and Frame all appeared at the UK Comic Art Convention and drew this comic live over the course of four and a half hours for charity. Oh. So that's why it's pretty rough and there's like sort of names scribbled in the margins sometimes and stuff because there's people that sort of like donated larger amounts to kind of get their name in the comic and things oh, like sure. that. So, you know, I think it's just a fun little, like, charity thing. Good times. Yeah. raised 150 pounds, and everybody had fun. Nice. Great job, guys. Yeah. Whatever. You know.
1: Uh, now let's uh, do that last thing and get that over with. That's right. Thrill 7, Future
0: Jocks. Hey, Christmas. Uh, ooh, uh, Don't yeah, like that candle, I guess. Stories called Angel Chimes. Script robot about Hillary Robinson. Art robot about Dave An- Dave Danteks. D- robot about John Aldrich. Are you familiar with Angel Chimes, Fox? Nope. So there are this there are these deals where uh, <laughs> that's right, yeah. But but basically they're like these metal kind of weather vane things. Okay. That have like angels hanging from them and a big fan on top of them okay. and you light a candle or two underneath them and like the rising heat from the candle causes the fan to spin and it kind of makes a thing that looks like these angels are sort of flying around okay. um, on your table. They're like kind of a centerpiece for like a for like a tablescape uh, for, for for Christmas or whatever. Well, this makes a little bit
1: more sense than I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. So th- it's just sort of this thing. So, apparent. Uh, so, this story there's a real life angel chimes, a- angel chime. Uh, they got humans up there and it's just sort of motorized. Like the candles aren't actually lit until some no good freaking punks come and go to-, to light those candles which sort of start burning the feats of these angels. Ah, oh, not great. I should say there's a lot of Christmas <clears throat> angels and, um, like, hanging-based puns going on throughout this yeah, whole story? I, yeah, a little bit of that. Anyway, one of the angels pulls, pulls a freaking M16 out of their robes <laughs> and kills these dudes, and that's it. I just don't get it. Don't mess with angels! <laughs> I mean, unless
1: your name is... Uh, uh,
0: Judge Dredd? Oh, yeah, or that. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I think, that I mean, Zad we Fox, made it. Yeah, I got one question for you, my friend. As we get towards the end of '88, most of November and and a little bit of December. Yeah, man. And our 600th Prague. Oh, jeez. Oh, so many progs, man. This is so many, so oh, many, so many to go too. And that's I know. why I must, I must know from you. What are your top and bottom thrills for these ones,
1: man? Uh, this, this one was pretty easy because it was such a mild. Uh, set uh outside mm-hmm. of a, like a couple of like marked things cool things happened you know but it wasn't like i wasn't shit in my pants over this one um mm. the clear top for me is zenith like it was nice. just really it was just real rad good fight you know good talk out you know i'm interested to see how it, how it effectively wraps up cuz it feels like it's getting there yeah we're
0: we're getting towards the end here we'll, we'll finish up next episode
1: yeah so, you know, I I have nothing negative to say about it whatsoever. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed his talk. Um, Just kind of talking someone out of doing a nuke uh, versus like mm-hmm. Judge Dredd, who is given complete access and permission to walk the halls of a place to kill a guy for dropping a bunch of nukes. That was pretty rad. I mean, they,
0: yeah, they have different. Ener- I like them both, but they do have different energies for sure. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like it's, you know, those two things happened. Both of them. I felt awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of bottom, I mean, geez, it sucks to do this, but I'm going to assign that one to Rogue. Um, not because it was terrible or anything, but just kind of like looking across all of these. I I enjoyed each one kind of in their own turn. I know, uh, you're a little bit more down on Moonrunners than I am, but you know, I like, I like this big squishy monster that has no reason. I mean, it just feels like nothing and it's...
0: Big really sad monster. So alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like I, yeah, I'm yeah, i into it. Just uh, it's got some pretty girls in it. Sometimes it tries to like do a thing. But, you know, Rogue, it's especially knowing what I know now. <laughs> it just ended kind of like meh. And now that yeah. I know it's just over, it's like even worse. I feel so bad for it. At any rate, you've heard what I've had to say. I mm. know that I liked what I said. And I bet... That I'm going to like what you're going to have to say because, gosh darn it, buddy, I'm really committed to knowing what your top and bottom thrills are.
0: Oh, thanks, buddy. I'm going to put Moonrunners at my bottom, as you might have guessed. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's actually super terrible, but I'd say it's definitely like a C- minus kind of thing. Not as good as the rest of the stuff here. I did kind of like just the running and gunning and the chips being so dumb in Rogue Trooper. Yeah. Treater yeah like i feel like that that's decent rogue trooper action part, i guess part
1: for the course really yeah
0: it's kind of what i'm looking for when i order a rogue trooper you know <laughs> on, on the menu you know um for my top i uh, i i like zenith a lot i like this sort of superhero action and stuff and i think that's real solid. Yeah, like a good mix of, of of talking and fighting. That's real good. But I think I might um oh, oh. I want to say also I I'm, I'm really digging Strontium Dog right now. Yeah, I feel yeah. like a lot of the Harrison stuff like like Harrison's art has really grown on me, I think. Yeah, a little um, bit. But think I there can there, understand
1: what's going on.
0: There and there were definitely moments that I feel like he did a really good job that I I don't know if I'd really want to see in a scarier version of it, I guess. Yeah. Like I definitely don't want to see Iscara draw a zombie wolf no. or anything like that. And I do no. feel like he did – I did really like him sort of drawing the happy scenes on Smiley Wars World as well. I thought those were pretty well done as well. Yeah, they were really um, like gesticulative if that's a yeah. word. Yeah, everybody – yeah, was real physical in sort of their showing of affection, which I think was great. Um, but I think for my top, I'm going to go with Judge Dredd this month. Right. Just a lot of fun, one-off dreads, just sort of Alan Grant sort of bringing some, some humor in here, and then a real gut-puncher of a John Wagner um, dread with Curse of the Spider-Woman. Yeah, God. And Curse of the Spider-Woman sets up some really fun stuff that I'm really looking forward to as well, so I'm happy that we've gotten oh, cool. to it. cool. Yeah, definitely should be good times, as always. Red. Rad. Yeah, and I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, or Spotify, or podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at space Spinner 2 k If anything else about space Spinner 2000, you'll find us there, man. Or elsewhere, maybe. Um, and then come back next time. As we'll finish off 1988 as Dread heads to the Alzheimer's blocks. The recent Moonrunner, Zenith, and Tyranny Wreck stories will all conclude. Ooh. Judge Anderson is back on the streets yes. and into space. Yes. Oh, that just sounds great. Yeah, and we'll finally call it a night. Night zero, that is. Finger what? guns for all. What? 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 <laughs> okay. That makes understand. sense. Okay. Yeah. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are uh, Space Spirit 2000. First Swan first Dig Earth, Earth Rig. Rig. For the very first time.